0: What's in a salad, Nisoirs?
1: So that's always a big topic, indeed, because.
0: Mm-hmm. I thought I'd start off with the big topic, big question.
1: <laughs> indeed. So, yeah, the people, you know, in France, uh, food is, of course, uh, holy, is very important. So, as soon as you put the wrong ingredients, the locals get uh, easily mad.
0: Bonjour. This is Fabulously Delicious, the podcast It's all about delicious French food and the people that love it, cook it, produce it, talk, write, and photograph it. If you're lucky enough to go to the south of France, then you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't go to the lovely city of Nice, especially because the food in this southern city of France is some of the best food I've ever had. Around the world, French food can be renowned as sometimes not done properly. One dish that's often done badly, in my opinion, would be the salad nicoise. A salad nicoise in Nice, though, is one of the best food experiences you can have in France. Joining me today to talk about salad Nissoirs is none other than a fabulous French foodie who tours none other than the city of Nice itself. Pascal Belot, welcome to Fabulously Delicious.
1: Hey, bonjour Andrew, thank you uh, for having me in uh, your podcast today.
0: No, and thank you. And uh, thank you for this second introduction. And this time I have pressed the record button. Pascal, you were born in France and spent your early uh, years uh, in life in, uh, in around Nantes.
1: Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. City of Nantes in the west of France.
0: In the west of France, right. I always thought it was in the north of France. I don't know why I had it in my, my head um, that it was the north of France. What's uh, Nantes like?
1: What kind of a city is it? So actually, I was uh, raised in a smaller city called Machecoul, which is a bit south of Nantes. So uh, more in the countryside, small, typical, traditional French uh, town. How would you describe
0: life as a young lad in France? Uh, It can't have been that many years ago.
1: Well, the place I was, I grew up, Machcoules was a nice, nice traditional town uh, in the countryside. And the very special thing about that town is that we had actually a, a ruin of a 13th century castle, So it was quite a a cool place to hang around and, uh, you know, as a young guy and like uh, pretending you were like a, You know, like the old times, like on a horse. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 13th
0: century castle. Now, us Australians and the Americans listening, we don't get that often a chance to live in towns that have 13th century castles. So that must have been fabulous for your imagination. When you were born in Paris, you get to grow up with all of the the sights, the sounds, the smells that come with uh, living in Paris and how that is so completely different to the rest of the world you know where we get to live uh i can imagine the same thing for when you get to live in the ruins of a 13th century castle it must do wonders for your imagination
1: yeah, yeah it's really uh, indeed well when you're so young you don't really realize it but uh, uh nowadays i'm a, a tour guide that's my, my my main job tour guide so i'm sure that like of course uh already have all the influence of all the like this castles etc all this history around uh, is probably one of the things that influenced me and in, uh Made me like all this and made me become an, a tour guide.
0: Tell us, uh, Pascal, how did your parents meet? Uh,
1: so it was yeah quite special. They uh, so my father is uh, French and my mother is Dutch, and actually they both went uh, to uh, Switzerland. My father to work in as a chef in, in a hotel restaurant, and my mother as a waitress for the winter season, and that's how they met at work in, in Switzerland. And when the season was over. They, uh, yeah, they, they were a couple and then they decided to move to uh, the region my, where my father is from, close to Nantes. And, uh, and there in uh, this little town of Mashkul, they took over an, uh, an old hotel restaurant. And uh, that's where I spent my, my first year. So it was, very, yeah, it was a very nice experience. Wonderful. What type of uh, restaurant was it that your dad uh, founded there? So, well, he took over this hotel restaurant, and what he did was serving uh, well traditional, traditional French food from from uh, from that area. And uh, so, this restaurant was actually divided into two. There was one part where it was like the uh, the biggest room where we had mostly like truck drivers that would make a quick stop there for lunch, and then (laughs) they just had a the choice on the menu between you know two starters, two mains, uh, two desserts, and then the other uh room uh, of the restaurant was a bit more, let's say, elaborate with a proper menu and, and where people could take a bit more time to enjoy their, their meal.
0: That would be a hard job because you would have the the sort of, as you described the, with the truck, there would be obviously busy sort of periods and people coming through and then you've got, uh and you know sort of the, what you're serving, but you wouldn't know the numbers that are going to be there any given day. But then, with the other end of the stick, you're also doing a wide range of things. For what would it be like a loc- more like a local clientele um, that would be like regulars, but they might order a whole lot of things. That's a lot of hard work there to have two different types of restaurants in one restaurant.
1: Yeah, indeed. I always saw my, my parents working very hard. Yeah, I was very out of rush uh, lunchtime, and uh, so well they managed they. Did they get
0: you to um, to pitch in, so to speak? Were you washing dishes or peeling potatoes
1: as a youngster? I was was quite young, but I remember, yeah, I would like serve the bread to the tables, for example.
0: And at home, so was your dad the cook or your mum?
1: Yeah, my father. Yeah, my father was in charge of the kitchen, and uh, my mother was uh, in charge of serving. And
0: so, was the restaurant then your? The restaurant kitchen was that
1: your home kitchen? Yeah, there? yeah, yeah. We lived there. Yeah, indeed. We wow. We had the restaurant upstairs, the hotels, and in the courtyard we had a little house where we were like sleeping, and but we were basically living in the in the hotel restaurant. Right, fabulous. Is your mama good cook? Uh, yes, she's a good cook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the Dutch cuisine is a bit different than the French cuisine, of course. But yeah, she. She she makes she makes Dutch uh, Dutch Dutch meals, yes, indeed. Uh,
0: what's your fondest food memory for when you were growing up?
1: Well, obviously, my father. I was seeing him in the kitchen, but uh, also because my parents were working, of course, very hard and they were very busy. So I spent a lot of the holidays with my grandparents. So uh, I well, I really admired my grandmother the way uh, she made. A, Like food. And of course, she had more time. So she would really, you know, always try to make things that I really liked. So I would say that I've got very good memories about uh, both my grandmother and my father.
0: (laughs) Did your grandmother have a specific dish that she enjoyed making or that you enjoyed uh, eating?
1: Yeah. So well, of course, you know, grandparents, different generation and everything homemade. So I remember for Christmas, we always always had the, yeah, the big christmas lunch and then in france you know it's about eating eating so we spend the whole day having the great christmas lunch and then you rest a bit with little games and then of course you don't go home before having a uh, little light christmas dinner something more simple and that was always a homemade uh, rabbit pate that my grandparents would make so that we really like buy the rabbit and all the herbs and you know uh, do everything you know uh so that was a remember so, uh, with the highlights of the of the christmas uh day the homemade rabbit pate from the grandparents
0: wow rabbit pate i would love that now but um did you not have bugs bunny in france when you were a child i mean that would have put you off eating it wouldn't it
1: yeah, I know. Well, you know, we we're raised a bit, yeah, it's like the French tradition, you know. The the other funny thing that my grandmother used to make, which maybe is not really common in Australia or other countries, is uh, uh eating the uh, how do you call that, the uh, the tongue of the cow, cow tongue. Yeah. So yeah, maybe it's a bit strange as a child, but well that was something as children we used to eat and when I would arrive at my grandparents' home uh in the morning, then you would see in the kitchen this whole tongue, you know, entire tongue laying there next to, in the kitchen. And then, uh, yes, we spend the, mo- the morning preparing that. And then we would have a hell of it for lunch. So it oh, was something where really, I really liked that, I remember.
0: How old were you when you moved to the Netherlands?
1: Uh, I was uh, eight years old when I moved to the Netherlands.
0: Uh, did you want to become a chef when you were growing up?
1: Uh, no, not, that was not really, never something... I like food, but no, I was never planning on becoming a chef, no.
0: How did you end up in, in tourism? Uh,
1: so, yeah, because I studied uh, import-exports, international trading. Uh, during this uh, few years at business school, they really promoted that you would do, like, a stash practice, you know, in different countries. So I was lucky to go six months to Spain. And uh, the final year, uh, we had to work on a project which was like helping a, a dutch company to export their products to another country and i found a dutch company that wanted to export uh, their products to the to france to the south of france and uh, then i got uh yeah finished my studies and uh and then this company really settled in the south of france in Cannes, uh, close to nice so i followed the a company and we worked together for a few months and helped a bit with the with a setup because, uh, well, I speak fluently French and, uh, the, uh, the members of this Dutch company were not on all perfectly in French. So yeah, it was a good way to have my first little job after, after studying. And then uh, I was there in the South of France. I didn't really plan going there. And then I thought, okay, we'll just six, stay six months. And then I stayed, uh, like uh, something like 15 years in, uh, in the South of France.
0: Tell us about Nice. Why did you fall in love with Nice and uh, want to to be there in such a wonderful city?
1: Yeah, so as I told you initially, I didn't plan on to stay very long in uh, on the French Riviera, but uh, basically, well, indeed, I fell in love with the place. Uh, first of all, you can say the climate. Uh, it's like great weather all year long. We have 300 days of sun per year. Uh, uh so it's very comfortable uh it's a big city so there is you know nice is the fifth biggest city in france so there's everything you need in the city i'm I'm more a city person so for me it's perfect to live there and uh well we got the second airport of france so if you uh can afford and have time for holidays it's easy to travel everywhere in from nice to uh, to europe world and uh, well as and then started to work in tourism you know after paris the french riviera is the second most visited area in france so uh, work-wise, it's uh, perfect for me of course and uh, oh it's a great city you meet people um, quickly made a lot of friends so i felt basically uh, i felt home in nice very easily very quickly
0: you're listening to fabulously delicious the podcast it's all about french food and the wonderful and fabulous people that make it if you're a business that has a connection to french food or france and you would like to support fabulously delicious and reach a whole new audience then please get in touch the more support we can get to bring fabulous french foodies to the world and highlight classic dishes new and improved ones or just little known regional specialties the better My name's Andrew Pryor, and my motto in life is whatever you do, you should do it fabulously. Thanks for listening, and let's munch back into this episode with Pascal and talk all things salad nicoise. So that leads us to the salad nicoise, and also nicoise food in general. The salad nicoise is one of those French dishes that uh, if you haven't had one uh, in Nice, then you haven't had one really, in my opinion. They're so fabulous. What's in a salad, Niçoise?
1: So that's always a big topic indeed. Because
0: mm-hmm. uh, I thought I'd start off with the big topic.
1: <laughs> yeah. Indeed. So, yeah, the people, you know, in France, uh, food is, of course, uh, holy is very important. So as soon as you put the wrong ingredients, the locals get uh, easily met. So uh, a uh, real uh, Niswa salad has got uh, local ingredients, of course, and uh, because of the history of... Uh, of Nice, uh, between uh, close to Italy and uh, in France and the Mediterranean Sea and the Alps just behind. They have imported a lot of different uh, ingredients from all over the world. So the ingredients of the niçoise salade are the tomatoes, uh, which are traditionally coming from South uh, America and arrived uh, in Nice via the Spanish. Then we have the uh, little onions, in, in French. You have the celery, the radish, uh, it should have basil, green peppers, and then uh, fèves in French, which is kind of small green beans. And these small green beans, the best one you have in the summer, uh, they grow in the summer. So normally a real niçoise salad is perfectly in the summer. And uh, and then we have uh, anchovies, salt, and olive oil. And then uh, as the last ingredient is uh, hard-boiled eggs. So all the ingredients are raw, except, of course, the the eggs are boiled. That tuna would be cooked as well. So, uh, normally it's anchovies. Um, oh, anchovies and not yeah, tuna. Indeed, so because, ah. because you know, all the all this, what are called the traditional uh, meals of, of Nice, uh, the Nice, Nice, from Nice. Uh, in gen- at the beginning, Nice was quite poor. So, these were meals if the local people they didn't have much uh, money. So, they used to put their uh, anchovies still today, and then bit by bit. Uh, people have been putting their tuna, but their original tuna salad is with anchovies.
0: Well, it's just uh, dawned on me, um, a light bulb has gone over the top of my head. I mean, I can't imagine, is tuna is not exactly a Mediterranean fish, is it? Is it? Yeah,
1: it's tuna. Yeah, it's tuna in the Mediterranean. Oh, it is? Yeah, yeah. Oh. But, okay, uh, well, that light bulb was wrong. <laughs> initially, the tuna was much more expensive than uh, anchovies, so that's why they...
0: Ah, okay. The amazing Delia Smith, who was one of my food heroes, called the salad Nissoirs one of the best combination of salad ingredients ever invented, apparently. And Gordon Ramsey says that it's the finest summer salad of all time. What is it, do you think, that makes this salad resonate with so many great
1: chefs? Uh, I would say probably because it's it's very healthy, and uh, you know it's part of the Mediterranean diet, which is uh, you know so much discussed and talked about. And you know, uh, so I would say it's maybe yeah one of the symbols of this Mediterranean diet. And it's uh, yeah, it's also called. Some people also call it like the the sunny salad, you know, because it's from the south of France, from the Mediterranean. It's beautiful. You can eat it as a starter or as a main. There's
0: a group in Nice. Um, I think I'm pronouncing this correctly. Uh, if you know them, you'll know and then you'll be able to correct me. Uh, the Cirque de la Capellina d'Or. Does that sound right? They're all about, they're a group that are all about not deviating from local French recipes in Nice.
1: Oh, indeed. Have you heard of them? Yeah, yeah, this indeed. So it's, uh, they have created a label, so now the the word we use is uh, the label of the cuisine nisart, So nisart means uh, Niceois, so basically it's the label of the the yeah, cuisine from Nice, and uh, and they are really, you know, uh, protecting and yeah, preserving the uh, the traditional uh, food from Nice. Uh, so uh, you know they're horrified if you would put like I don't know mayonnaise in your nice salad. that's of course not possible. So they have created this label and then you have different restaurants in and around Nice that uh, on the show, on their windows, you can see this label. And then you're 100% sure that you will get the Niçoise food, like, for example, the salad uh, served the traditional way with the uh, the local ingredients.
0: Um, so they would be horrified if I had put tuna in my Niçoise salad then?
1: Well, maybe tuna would be will be tolerated, but uh, yeah, tuna no. would be tolerated. What yeah. about green beans and potatoes? No, no, no. So that was uh, that's not possible. So the the great <laughs> even even the great chef uh, Auguste Escoffier he made the, the mistake of putting there uh, green beans and potatoes, and it was uh, it was heavily criticized, and still so today it's like. Uh, that's that's the the red line you can't cross
0: the red line is a scoffier's uh, nissois yeah. salad
1: yeah. okay all right well i mean that's a pretty big name for them to to put a red line in it is you know yeah yeah and actually he was he was born not far from nice but uh, just like a, a few towns on the other side of the river and the river like just after nice you know, people see it as a an, like an, a border so everyone from the other side of the river are yeah, not from Nice. And Escoffier, Auguste Escoffier, the great chef, he was from the other side of the river. So they say that's probably the reason why he, you know, didn't make the Nissois salad the proper way.
0: Do you make a Niswa salad at home or when you're in Nice, or do you go
1: out to have one? Uh, no, I would go out to have one too. That would be taste much better if I have it's out then at home.
0: <laughs> Can you tell us the best place in Nice to go for a Niceois salad? If we promise that we'll all come on one of your tours when we come to Nice.
1: Well, there are different uh, there are different uh, places where they make the perfect Niceois salad. But uh, well, maybe if you come to Nice for the first time, it's great to go to the main square, what we call the flower market. and there we have an, uh, a great restaurant called the Safari and they uh, yeah, make the i would say the best uh, they make the best niçoise salads uh, of that square
0: that's a great tip okay i'm going to look that one up and the next time i'm in nice i'm going to do one of your tours and uh, i will um go and have a niçoise salad there as well uh there is a famous um politician uh from nice although i think a controversial one uh jacques Medi- Medicin. Is it? I think it is medicine. Um, Apparently, he was a strict salad traditionalist. This is like people really get into their food there in Nice. Like they really, this is how it's supposed to be. And he had tips even for rubbing the salad bowl with garlic before adding any of the ingredients. Why are people so passionate about their salad Niçoise and their Nice food?
1: Oh, you know, it's the, you know, in France in general, we are very proud of our history, our culture. And then this little area around Nice, uh, which used to be until 1860 was not part of France. It was a, a small country with the, on one side, the border with which is today Italy and the other side, the border with, with France. So I think that's the main reason why the people, you know, being close to two different countries, uh, created a very strong, uh, sentiment of, of proudness of their their language because that for example their own language and 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 their food culture and so today it's uh it's people are very proud and yeah defend that and again as soon as you do something wrong like put a potato or put mayonnaise it's like oh it's like uh too far (laughs) what other foods is nice famous for so nice we have an uh quite interesting sandwich that is called the Pain bagna, which you can translate with the wet uh, bread, and basically it's a sandwich. And in the sandwich, you have basically all the same ingredients as an niçoise salad. So it's basically an niçoise salad in uh, yeah, in a sandwich, and that's a very uh, typical. Uh, yeah, if you typical meal, so in the old times, this what like workers or uh, fishermen, you know, would bring this with them, and that would be their lunch. And nowadays, if you go, uh, spend a nice day uh, on the beach with your uh, your family and the kids. Well, that's uh, like a like a tri- typical uh, traditional meal that you bring with you to uh, eat on the beach. The pan bagnat, so like a Izoir salad in in a bread. And so in there, we add a few more ingredients, which is uh, artichoke, uh, garlic, and uh, in this case, you can put tuna. That's okay to put the tuna in the in the pan right uh it's a wet
0: sandwich i so it's going to be one of those sandwiches you'd eat with a, a knife and fork as opposed to picking it up then
1: uh no not really you eat it like this like a ham Americans see the hamburger and they call it a wet sandwich because uh traditionally you put a lot of uh olive oil on the bread but but, but the history is a bit different because these were again all these meals were meals from people the, the poor people in the old times and so basically what i did you know they had bread leftovers from the day before and that bread had become hard and you would not throw it away so they would make it wet in these days with water huh? so then you could do the bread and, uh, and on this bread you would put the same ingredients as the niçois salad which were all you know, uh, quite
0: not expensive ingredients Fabulous. I'm gonna do that tomorrow because the ducks here in town by the river, by the bridge, uh they're getting a bit fat. <laughs> so from all the bread that we've been feeding them. So um I will try that. Niniswa's food, it's a more relaxed, I would call it, style. I, I, I wouldn't call it I don't I think rustic is the wrong word, but more relaxed, do you think, style of cooking?
1: Yeah, so again all these meals were made to be made like easy and and without too much money and that you could maybe make the day before and bring with you to work because you had long days on the field or on the sea on, on the sea fishing and so yeah, indeed it's 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 easy and you eat it with your hands and uh, and it's or uh, well, in general healthy so it's it's yeah, it's great food another another typical meal in nice that you would find if you go there and that they sell on the markets is called the Pie Saladière. Basically, the pizza is uh is we like to say is the uh, ancestor of the pizza. Right? The pizza dates from the they believe from the 16th, 17th century in Naples. That's where it started. But this pizza la was created roughly 200 years before that uh, in the early 15th uh, century. Uh, originally, so it's basically it's uh, the lower part is uh, it's like an, a pizza. But on the top, what you put is uh, our onions. So um, yeah, just onions that you would uh, cook for about two hours, and uh, so it's just a pizza base with onions and little anchovies and then uh, a local black olive. Uh, so you can eat it cold or warm, and uh, yeah, so it's in a way in uh, the ancestor of the pizza. So it's originally from Genoa, from Italy, and it uh, arrived uh, easily and yeah, very quickly and basically
0: the food market in nice down by the water it's amazing it be after when you go from there's the beach and then there's the arches and then you've got that food market what's it called
1: again so the official name is the the cour Saleya. that's the name of the of the square cour Saleya comes from sel from salt because uh, a long time ago that's where we had like an, a kind of warehouse where they were used to store the salt and salt was also nicknamed the white gold, because it was used to preserve other goods before with electricity and fridges. So that's what the name is from the square. And uh, we also nicknamed that market where they indeed sell fruit and vegetables, but especially also flowers. So the, the square is also more known as the flower market.
0: It is one of the best markets, I think, not just in France, but in the world. It really is a gem. I absolutely love it. They do an amazing it's sort of like a i think it's chickpea uh it's sort of like a pancake slash bread the soccer yeah, is that right sugar.
1: that's right yes
0: it's delicious how many of those can you have in
1: a day <laughs> well it's quite uh, filling and that's so uh, you don't have much so that's that's something we'll eat like you know the aperitif is very uh, popular in france and uh, so if you have a little aperitif a little uh, drink so that would be in in this nice normally uh Wine. We are one of the uh, we have one of the oldest vineyards in uh, in France. I believe that we produce wine there for two thousand six hundred years. And so, with your nice little glass of fresh rosé, uh, you would have a a little uh, slice of of this soca. And this soca is indeed uh, made from um, with chickpeas and olive oil, uh, chickpea flour, and it's uh, um, cooked in the shape of a big pancake in the oven for a few minutes and then you just cut off a slice put a bit of uh, pepper and uh, let's enjoy your nice rosé as an aperitif
0: amazing just down the street from the market there was i remember because this was 2019 because of covid we haven't been able to go down um, recently so this was 2019 there was an olive shop on one side that had amazing olive oils and then directly opposite was this fantastic uh, sweet store that had been there for a very very long time oh, like yes, chocolates yes. and things do you know then what's the name of that
1: store do you remember yeah it's you pronounce it Oer, yeah and it's indeed the oldest uh, shop still open in in nice so it's from if i remember well something like early 1800s and uh O'er was is a family originally from switzerland and they came to nice and they uh opened this little shop uh, and they are specialized in you know, making little chocolates and uh and uh other sweets and uh, it's still from the family it's still the family or which is uh uh, running the shop, so it went over from father to son, father to son, father to son, and now um, apparently the daughter of the uh, actual owner is uh, is uh, planning on to take over the business, so it will go from the father to the daughter. So it's great because it stays in the same uh, in the same family, and um, this shop is very beautiful, for very nice products, and they had a very uh, famous um, client there many years ago because the French Riviera became very famous thanks to different. Uh, royalties, uh, kings and queens all over Europe used to come and spend the winter time in, in Nice and the most famous tourist uh, in the old time was Queen Victoria and Queen Victoria spent several winters in in Nice and this uh, this little shop already existed, OER, and they said that they, a part of the shop used to be a place where you could have a, a coffee or a tea, you know, the British like to have their little tea, so people say that Queen Victoria has been there to have a little afternoon tea in the
0: shop when is the best time for someone to come to Nice as a foodie?
1: I would say Nice is great all year long because of the climate. I told you three hundred days of sun per year. So I mean if you are uh, if you like the beach then it's great in the summer. If you like to don't like the beach then you know there is in the winter and nice to walk around and visit places and the market is all year long so this beautiful market we just discussed is, is all year long, six days a week, eh? Tuesday till, till Sunday and uh, yeah, so all year long and if you, of course if you come to, to Nice you're going to visit the the rest of the French Riviera and if you're a foodie then of course you go to a town not far from del- there called Menton and in Menton we have a very famous restaurant the Mirazur which was around yeah, in 2019, maybe, probably, of course, you know, was ranked the best restaurant in the world.
0: Absolutely. So when I had my tour, we had three Australians and two Americans come on my tour, a small group tour of uh, the Côte d'Azur in t- September 2019. We had seven nights uh, on the Côte d'Azur, and uh, we went to Menton for the day. And uh, in the morning, we went to where they make the lemon marmalade, uh, they're in Menton and then we went to the markets and I told everybody that they had to be smart, wear smart casual for lunch, but I didn't tell them where we were going to lunch. And uh, as we were walking back to the, the, the van that we had, I said, uh, do you want to know where you're going for lunch now? And they all were going, yes. Like, where are we going? And I said, well, look up on the top of the hill. It's uh, just a restaurant just up there on the top of the hill uh, called Mirazoo, and it's the world's number one restaurant. And we were very lucky and fortunate to have had dinner on the tour in the world's number one restaurant. And they were all foodies, and they had no idea that we were going there. Wow, it, was it was a great good. surprise. Yeah, it was great, and, yeah. Uh, it really was one of the best meals that I've ever had in my life, and um, Pascal, how do people book a private tour with you in Nice?
1: Well I can uh, I have a website, of course, and media and uh, If you can just let us know what the website is. So it's the name of a very famous Frenchman. Uh, the name of my website is called Napoleon Explore.
0: Perfect, napoleonexplorer.com. Uh, Pascal, it has been fantastic talking to you about all things uh, Nissoise food and the Nissoise salad um, and wonderful to learn a bit about uh, a fabulous French foodie. Uh, we look forward to being able to come and visit you in Nice. I, I hope that the season's been good with things opening up, but obviously we all hope that 2022 will be a much better year and a much better tourist season for everybody. Um, so hopefully uh, that will be the case, Pascal. Thank you for joining me on fabulously delicious.
1: Well, thank you very much, and uh, looking forward to see you in, uh, in Nice.
0: Yes, we look forward to coming and uh, eating the Niswas salad. <laughs> Another wonderful culinary journey, I think we should call it today, learning all about Pascal and the delicious Nissois salad. I don't think I'll be able to have another one again with tuna in it, let alone green beans and potatoes. Who knows what the French from Nice would say if I did. Pascal, it was fabulous learning about your journey into food, so thanks for sharing that with our Fabulously Delicious audience. Speaking of my Fabulously Delicious audience, thank you for joining me on Fabulously Delicious today. Don't forget, if you like this episode, then please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Oh, and share the podcast around with your friends and family that are into food. I love to be shared around. Well, the podcast does, that is. If you'd like to support the Making of Fabulously Delicious, then you can do so by buying me a croissant via the Buy Me A Coffee website. Or you can become a Patreon member if you'd like to support on a more continual basis. Any help is appreciated so that you can bring more fabulous people to Fabulously Delicious. If you're coming to Paris or France next year, you can book a one-hour Zoom call with me. That's right, one hour's with me to help you plan a fabulous trip. I'll give you great tips on where to eat, where to stay, and, you know, places to go, things to do, all those sorts of things. So check that out on my website, andrewpirefabulously.com. In 2022, hopefully you'll be able to come join me in person here in Montmorillon for some wonderful cooking classes as well, or maybe even a small group tour of France. More info to come on the website soon for that, so check that out. I'm Andrew Pryor. My motto in life is whatever you do, do it fabulously. So why not join me every week here on Fabulously Delicious, the podcast, Aviento and Bon ab-